everybody, and welcome back to the Games Are Queer podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Signer, and with me this week, my guest is... Hi, I am Trevor. I use they-them pronouns, and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're excited to have you, too. Um, and you are a writer and a podcaster, correct? Yeah, I um, I write about video games, mostly uh, manga sometimes. I kind of have a mental note to do more of that, because I always forget how fun it is to write about manga, but that's not what we're here for. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I also am one of the co-hosts of the Queering the Guillotine podcast, um, where it's a pop culture podcast. We talk about mostly manga, but also video games, anime, movies, all kinds of stuff, like always from a queer perspective, of course, often from a queer angle when we're you know, doing criticism on something we're talking about. Um, but yeah, and besides that, I just have a day job and just do my best to try to get any writing out while suffering under capitalism. <laughs> yeah. That's a thing we all have to deal with. But um So tell me a little bit about me a little bit more about the podcast. Like what gave what what prompted uh, the idea of like looking at all these pop culture things from a queer lens and how has it been? Yeah. Um, it's been really great. Um, I, my co-host is also my partner and it was kind of a thing where it was just like, you know, we always love to talk about the media we consume and, we figure why not just start recording those conversations and kind of like just making an effort to put even more criticism from a queer angle out there. Not that it doesn't exist. Um, but especially when it comes to like manga, I feel like it's harder to find a queer lens on the internet. Like again, it definitely exists, especially on spaces like, like anime feminist, but um yeah, it was more or less just like, this could be fun to do. Let's give it a try. Oh, it is fun to do. And also, I think that we have, like, dare I say, an important perspective in terms of looking at a lot of things from the angle that we do. Because uh, I know I have a hard time finding, like, queer anti-capitalist discussions about shonen manga, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that that's actually a big thing because when I think of uh, queer perspectives on um, manga, I think of um, either I, I think of like generalized queer manga genres and like um, like the like the different classifications that different audiences like, like, um, the, um, like Yaoi or boys love or that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then there's the, um, 
I know it's not it's not the it's not the best term, but the the bara stuff is is an, another uh, genre. But for sure, for sure, <laughs> I you look at it. You, you you look at it from. You don't just you you look at all of even the popular manga from a queer lens though. So how how do you go about doing that? Yeah, like um and you know, we absolutely love covering queer manga as well. In fact, like our favorite episodes are when we cover like queer works like by queer queer creators or otherwise. Um so it in terms of how we go about covering the more popular things, I think for one, it takes a little bit of extra effort because not that it's less fun, but it definitely requires more of like, like, okay, so this is already missing something to a degree. Well, I mean, not always, but you know, I think of a story like Naruto, which we have an ongoing series on as we like slowly reread it and how like a lot of shonen and uh, manga or anime, it is just so overflowing with like queer tension it's that like meme on twitter where it's like um like shonen writers they're so clueless when it comes to writing women that there ends up being so much tension between the two male characters that it just ends up gay (laughs) and um you know we kind of like half jokingly half not examine the like very queer tension in relationships between like Naruto and Sasuke or Naruto and Gara or like the queer vibes in Jujutsu Kaisen or opportunities where a character is maybe like a stereotype or a caricature that could have been executed well and could have been like a really cool character, but you know, heterosexuality ruins everything. So we end up with that mess. Um, (laughs) And, you know, it's one of those things where like, I did say that it takes a little extra effort, but at the same time, I think that, you know, for myself and my partner, like we can't help, but look at everything in terms of queerness, whether like through a queer lens or at a queer angle, it's just like, you know, we're just not interested if we're not doing that. <laughs> and like, it's basically second nature. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, you, you also cover games in a similar fashion. So, um, how, how has that differed from like how you cover manga and anime and other mediums such as that. I think the biggest difference is that covering games is a hundred times more exhausting (laughs) because you have to sit down and play something for a hundred hours. Whereas I could read a volume of manga in one hour. (laughs) Um, But besides that, I think that, it's not super different for me. I I don't know. I look I can't decide if I look at this as a weakness about myself or 
a just particular preference, but I am not the best at examining mechanics in games or like looking at things from a mechanical approach first. Like I'm always thinking of story and characters first and naturally because when you're writing about video games, you have to consider the mechanics. Like there's, they are always going to be a part of your criticism, hopefully because otherwise it's, you know, why are you writing about a video game? Try a movie instead. Um, which is how you end up with articles like the one I wrote for a uh, gaming magazine that's gaming with a Y about tripping through the bushes and near like that was, you know, a, what ended up being about a mechanic of a sort, but it really emerged from a place of thinking about the themes of near automata and the, like the way in which, I relate to it as a queer player and the way in which I think that the world of near and the, and the near franchise has a very like, like <sighs> queer energy, I guess, for lack of a better term, I think I could find a more specific term than that, but I'll go with that one for now. Um, so it's not terribly different. Like there are obviously things in the minutia when you think about, like I just said, with games, you think about mechanics, and with manga, you think about things like inking and shading and layouts and the power of turning a page to see what's on the next side. Um, but in terms of an analyzing like theme or characters or narrative, I don't think there's a huge difference in how I go about thinking about a work. Well, I know that you've put a lot of effort into examining gaming um, for multiple outlets and um, your most pre- the most prevalent one you've written for is AIPT so I believe that would be your first foray into like writing about like media is that tr- is that right? Yeah, I um, started writing for AIPT right when I graduated college in, let's see, I graduated at the end of 2017, and I think it was the beginning of 2018, I started writing for AIPT, which is primarily a comic site, like a primarily Western comic, so they do also cover manga, Uh, but I did like a first impressions piece about Monster Hunter World for them, and then proceeded to just write comic book reviews for like a year (laughs) with some gaming games writing sprinkled in. Um, And then over the course of the years I've been writing for them since 2018, I kind of like pivoted more and more back into just writing about video games as I kind of grew disinterested with Western comics over time. And yeah, AIPT is great. Um, They really, can they continue to give me a chance to really like stretch my wings, figure stuff out. Um, I have a, a column that has been on hiatus for a minute currently, but you know, with that column that they gave me specifically about like writing about games through a queer perspective, um, I really got to try out all kinds of approaches to my criticism I, which let me make a lot of 
I call them mistakes. They would never call them mistakes. But I, I reflect on my own work and I go, girl, what were you thinking there? <laughs> um, and yeah, they've just really let me, you know, do whatever I want, which is great because <laughs> I basically turn in this like high-minded queer theory bullshit to my heterosexual editor and he's just like great i love it i'll publish it and i'm just like see this is what an ally is this is what an accomplice is <laughs> well that's great that you've been um uh freed to uh explore what you care about in a way that you're not really stifled um but you've you've also branched out into other outlets recently, like you said, gaming mag, and you've also been writing for Unwinnable. So, talk about how it's been um, to see your name get out to like multiple places across the internet. It yeah, I am. Super fortunate that um, <laughs> the editors at Unwinnable and Gaming, you know, have picked up my pieces and have let me write for them because um, those were super, super exciting opportunities um, that I hope I can just keep having the good fortune to experience. Uh, yeah, I remember um, my first piece for Unwinnable last year. Is that true? When did Final Fantasy VII Remake come out? Was that last year? Uh, yeah, yeah, this piece came out July 22nd, 2020. 2020, okay. See, because of the pandemic, you know, time time is even less real than usual, so <laughs> um, I'm like, was that a year ago or two years? Uh, yeah, with that piece, um, that was kind of my first time being paid for my games writing, which was really validating, and um, and the first time I kind of felt like oh, I'm just, like, really throwing something out there and hoping that it sticks. And then it did. And then, you know, it ended up in critical distance and it got lots of, you know, interactions on Twitter because, unfortunately, that is a metric of success. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, no, but... And that was really exciting. That was really, like, oh, wow. Like, I really feel like people are actually reading my stuff like at AIPT, obviously like, you know, my editor reads my stuff and is super validating and I love them over there. Um, but I, my work isn't really what the AIPT audience is primarily clicking on AIPT for. So yeah, it's been really great to write for places like unwinnable and gaming where I'm like, okay, like, people are actually going to read this, maybe even engage with it a little bit. Like, I love that for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just been really great. And I really hope that throughout the year and going forward that I can just keep that ball rolling, even though, <laughs> you know, I don't have a ton of publications out there. Um, even if the ball is rolling slowly, I want it to keep rolling. <laughs> Yeah, and we love that for you too, honestly. It's been great to see <laughs> you grow as a writer and 
get more exposure. Um, yeah. Um, now your re your most recent article for Unwinnable was also is also. I would say one that converges a lot of of your points of of interest and that was your uh, um, Paradise Killer article yeah. so can you talk about that yeah so um, that was a piece that I <laughs> was really trying to to work through and get out there for quite a few months, more or less like since shortly after paradise killer came out, I was working that pitch and getting it rejected and then reworking it. And then finally unwinnable picked it up. Um, and I basically, you know, finished playing paradise killer and was like, Oh wow. Like this ending is, is so not unsatisfying because I don't feel unsatisfied, but it's so icky and it's so like, ugh, like this is the opposite of a neat little bow because, you know, you're left feeling like, well, what is justice? And like who actually got justice at the end of this game? I'm not going to spoil things, even though like, your ending can vary by a bit based on your choices. But, you know, a game that is so concerned with the truth and justice throughout the game, like multiple characters are throwing those words around, you're left with the feeling of like, but whose truth is being served and justice for whom? And so, you know, I ended up writing this piece. Uh, the headline is Lady Love Dies Cannot Save You. And yeah, that came out this past February where I really thought about how, you know, the ideas of truth and justice can be distorted and corrupted into um, what Audre Lorde would call the tools of the oppressor and kind of thought about, you know, just a, just a textual analysis of the game and how it uses these concepts and kind of misuses them which then also led me to thinking about um, the real world criminal justice system, at least in the United States is, you know, I mean, it applies to places outside the U S as well, but I am unfortunately in the U S and was mostly just writing about that in terms of being specific about context and how, um, you know, even the idea of like reform over abolition can be corrupted into a tool of the oppressor because so many people, you know, so many <laughs> Republicans who call themselves centrists or Republicans who call themselves Democrats like to talk about reform and how, like, that's the more uh, level-minded approach or something to dealing with the, like, like just monstrously racist and oppressive police industrial complex in America and uh, how that's just not the tea. And <laughs> um, yeah, like th even the idea of reform can end up 
being corrupted into just another way to oppress people and how in paradise killer they needed to just burn it all down and in the u.s maybe they need to just burn it all down (laughs) yeah and i i wanted to bring that up because um for queer people queer liberation often uh intersects with uh capitalism uh rubs up against capitalism and um Mm -hmm. this is stuff we think about a lot because of our identities and we um we often we have to live in we have to live in these can these uh realities and i think that uh your queer voice even though it wasn't specifically about a queer issue really came through with that piece thank you yeah i definitely yeah i think that you know queerness and capitalism at the end of the day they just can't coexist in my mind um they they inevitably end up at odds oftentimes with capitalism erasing queerness eroding it whitewashing it um just ironing it out to be as palatable and mainstream to like the cishet perspective as possible um this is how we end up with fucking you know pete booty gig running for president and you know, God knows what else. I won't even get into the weeds there because it's too much. Um, so yeah, I think that I fully get what you mean. Like that wasn't necessarily a, you know, quote unquote queer piece or like a queer writing, um, agenda necessarily, but it has to come from this place of the fact that, you know, because of capitalism worldwide, I have to like think of things in a different way and consider a less mainstream and more alternative perspective, like in all things that I do um, for the sake of survival, you know, so that of course naturally leads to me writing about police abolition (laughs) one way or another. All right, so tell so tell me tell me what's next for you. Like what what what's your what's on your agenda going in going through twenty twenty one now? Um, are you look you're you're looking for new opportunities or um, what 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 are you what are you looking for and what are you looking forward to? Yeah, so um, next month is well for one thing it's my birthday. Um, but also the day after my birthday, uh, the remake of Near Replicant is going to be released onto the world. And I am so excited just, you know, as like a life or just like a, a huge fan of the franchise. I almost said lifelong, even though I've actually only known about the franchise since Near Automata. However, the, it has had such an impact upon me that it feels as though I've known these games my whole life. Um, so with the release of that game, I'm not only excited to play it and enjoy it, but I have like a Word document and such with some pitches that I am going to be 
um, refining and polishing up. Um, I, yeah, I just want to write about near, like I really, <laughs> I feel like I'm most like on my bullshit when I write about those games and kind of like living my truth or something. So I have, um, a few pitches lined up both about near replicant and also near automata because I will never stop talking about her. She's my most favorite game of all time. And I'm going to be sending those out. So hopefully that will result in y'all seeing my name again <laughs> on some of these outlets. Uh, I mean, if nothing else, like AIPT will always be happy to take my writing. So regardless of the who, where, when, why I will be writing about near this year, which does rhyme, unfortunately. Um, and then, yeah, I guess I'll just see where it goes from there. Um, maybe I'll even try to review the game somewhere. I hadn't even thought of that until just now, but I did request time off half for my birthday and half to play the Replicant remake. So yeah, just near, near, near. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, Near is near is funny because it even the first one got did a lot of uh, stuff that other games weren't. So I am also excited to see how a bit of polish will will work for that game. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so why don't you why don't we close by talking about some of the games you're playing right now? Uh, sure, I. I've been playing the new Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter Rise. Um, it's cute so far. I'm only a little bit into it, um, but Monster Hunter is a good time. I just kind of, it's one where I can just turn my brain off and not think about the, you know, the <laughs> messy, we'll say, themes of the games. Um, beyond that, I have been dabbling in 13 Sentinels, I guess, Rim which has been very fun. Um, I love like, you know, 999 and Virtue's Last Rewards. So that game is very much of that ilk, which is cool. And, oh, Final Fantasy XIV has <laughs> not completely consumed me. I do have a healthy relationship with this game, unlike my past with World of Warcraft. Uh, but I've been enjoying that. And Final Fantasy XIV is getting more near content next month. So... It all comes back to that, but um, I think that's all I've been playing. Oh, I've been getting back into Bloodborne, too. I fucking love Bloodborne. That's, like, my second favorite game, and I picked it back up on a whim because of the new um, Friends at the Table season that Austin Walker hosts. Um, their new season has some, like, Bloodborne inspiration and vibes, so... I've been getting back into Bloodborne, which is always a treat. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, I uh, I really enjoy Thirteen Sentinels um, when I I played it recently, and um, yeah, it's it's definitely once everything is unraveled, then it's it's a pretty good payoff. Even though even though there's some some weird like. Um, queer 
stuff that doesn't quite work in the end, in my view, but it's it's a good game. It's a good game, definitely. Um, oh, I was just going to say, it's interesting how I feel like I'm not even halfway through, but I've already learned so much and have had like some fairly big reveals like just shown to me already where I'm just like, oh, well, if this is what I'm getting early on, I can't wait to see where it ends. <laughs> Yeah, I will. I will not say any more about that because that's <laughs> it goes places. Uh, um, yeah, so um, that's. I think that's about it. So, thank you for coming on. And where can they find you online? Yeah, thank you so much again for having me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Brisuve. That's B-R-I-S-U-U-V-E. Um, you can find Queering the Guillotine at queeringtheguillotine.com. Um, or you can just search on your podcast app of choice to listen to Queering the Guillotine. Uh, I think we're on we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and maybe some other things, but you should be able to find it. Um, and yeah, just... Keep an eye out for me writing about Emil from Near and just crying about Emil because I think I am Emil in a lot of ways and I think Emil is me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. And now you can find this show at Games Queer Pod on Twitter and you can find me at Jeremy underscore rights. And as always, Stay queer.